we've invested in a company, they had invested in a company in the United States, that 3D prints cars in a 3D printer that drive by themselves. What kind of things they offer to you that <coughs> make you to do so drastical decision and, you know, change, you know, give up your freedom in a sense. Currently, I'm also working as an independent advisor to the city of Oslo. In the board of the big company or being the independent entrepreneur. You are listening to Building Digital Products, a podcast that helps innovators and entrepreneurs to create successful digital solutions from idea to market. This podcast is brought to you by LinkUp Studio, a software development company which created more than 100 successful digital solutions. Hello guys, so today I have a pleasure to have an interview with the Peter Sonnenfrey. Who is this uh, this guy? I know him is the, as the independent entrepreneur and we used to work uh, together a few years ago, but in 2000 and help me Peter, 17 I believe, right? Or, or 18? 2016. 16, in 2016, Peter becoming the CEO of Autonomous Mobile in that time, uh, name of the company, who uh, was the ambassador of self-driving cars in Scandinavia and Northern Europe. And right now, as far as I know, Peter is again the independent entrepreneur. And I believe his story is super cool and inspirational. And let's listen to this. And I believe Peter can talk for himself better than me. Hello, Peter. Nice to meet you. Nice to see you here. <laughs> yeah, nice to see you again. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, well, tell me, tell me like who you are, like what is your background, what is your educational, what, what, it, what it takes to becoming you in this moment, you know, well, from the I, childhood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's going to be a long, sad story. Uh, the short story is I, uh, I finished a master's degree in economics at the University of Copenhagen on Danish. And um, as I was finishing, my focus was international business and game theory, so the theory of games and, and statistics. I got a job in the United States with a car company called Daimler Chrysler. And so I was supposed to be there for six months in New York City and ended up being 13 years in New York City, building a, a number of companies on my own and working for a number of uh, other companies as an employee. Then in 2013, I moved to uh, London, and in London, I built a startup within hiring and recruitment. And then in 2016, I moved uh, to Denmark and ended up over the last uh, almost uh, four years, until I exited last year, uh, building the largest uh, autonomous mobility or autonomous vehicle operator in Northern Europe. Since I stopped doing that a year and a half ago almost, uh, I've been working directly as a partner to founders and CEOs who are trying to do the same thing as I've done, helping them with a variety of things, handling all the ups and downs of, of being an entrepreneur. Okay, well, that's that sounds like super interesting to me. And like how, like it just sounds that like you done recruitment. That's what I heard, right? And then you turn to be the CEO of the big company, and then some kind of the personal project in New York. Is it so hard? Is it hard to change the domain areas? Because for me, it just sounds like you at each time you are changing the domain area. I actually don't think I've changed domain areas. I, I think what I do or what I've learned to be good at is to start something, uh, 
identify and attract people to work on this project or with this company um, and then manage and grow it to a certain size. And then once it gets to be a certain size, 200 people, 300 people, something like that, then I'm not the right CEO anymore or leader anymore than somebody who enjoys large companies uh, should take over. So it's actually the same thing I've done. I've just done it over and over and over again. Uh -huh. so, so in case I understood right, there was some kind of the things that you know how to do, like, and uh, in case I will restate in my words, it seems to like, you know, building company from scratch till, till the certain size, right? Exactly right. I, I don't think uh, my personality and, and who I am is well suited for a company of several thousand employees. I think I do better at small to medium-sized companies. Mm -hmm. I understood. I understood. Very interesting. So, okay, like before you become a CEO, you used to work in, in few of the digital product because, you know, our podcast is about kind of how, how to build big digital product. Like what kind of experience you gained there and what you would recommend to someone who wanted to build uh, some business based on, you know, we, with the prolongation in the software, let's call it like this. Well, there's, there's a couple of things. Uh, one is... The first thing you need to do is put whatever idea you have in front of a potential customer. Will people actually buy this? Before you build anything, before you, you, you start coding, or if you use no code, it doesn't really matter. You have to be able to test your idea with a potential audience because without customers, it doesn't really matter how well what you've done is. The second thing is to, once you start building, digital products uh, is to constantly change and improve them, right? So I, I would not spend any money on, uh, on marketing, for example, or on distribution to begin with. I would spend a little bit of money on building something, push it out to everybody I know through the kinds of network that you hopefully have built over your career. Even if you're just starting out, you should always be connecting with people just like you've been doing and then see what people are saying, see what you should tweak, and then just keep doing that until your product gets so good that people will start telling other people about it. The, the biggest mistake I see today is people spending a lot of money and time on building something and then distributing it, and then they're surprised that nobody buys it. But uh, that sounds interesting. You're telling that you actually need to go to like some kind of the communities and check are they going to buy it but you know it's often happening that communities they, they don't know what they want you know like the, this uh, famous ford quote that in case i would ask people they would tell me give me the faster horse and i invented something yeah but i'm not talking about yeah yeah i'm not talking about doing a ton of market research so so let me give you an example so yeah, in february of this in, in february of this year i had an idea for something i wanted to do and Instead of pitching, instead of selling it, I shared the idea with 40 people or so around the world, but people who did not know me. So through LinkedIn, in my case, I could reach out to a bunch of people and saying, I've been having this idea and I described the idea and I described why I thought the idea would be valuable. And people who did not know me responded and said, that sounds like a great idea. I'd, I'd love something like that. Maybe if it did this or if you could do that or, or something. So I got a bunch of sort of product 
service development feedback. And then I started building something. And, the, and when I built the first iteration of it, I shared it back out and said, remember that thing that I talked to you about a month ago? Well, here's where I've taken it. What do you think? And then people gave me feedback on that. And so I, I iterated with a group of people who, you know, the day before I emailed them the first time, didn't know I existed, didn't care. Um, but they helped me validate the service idea that I had. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, now I see it. Okay, good. Uh, well, let's kind of move on the timeline a little bit to the point where you becoming the CEO of the Holo right now, right? You're independent, I may assume, you know, well-paid uh, entrepreneur. What, what kind of things they offer to you, except money, of course, that <coughs> make you to do so drastic a decision and, you know, change, you know, give up your freedom in a sense, you know, in the good sense of this. Yeah. Well, well, a couple of things there. First things first, since I was 26 years old, I've never taken a job for the money. I learned as a 26-year-old man in New York City that money doesn't matter. I was very, very well paid and I hated my life back then. So I've never pursued anything to make money. So that wasn't really a factor in, in what they offered me. But what they did said was, we've invested in a company. They had invested in a company in the United States that 3D prints cars in a 3D printer that drive by themselves. And we think that's the future of transportation and we need somebody to build a business around that. And I said, that sounds great. That sounds crazy. To me too. But what I would like to do, yeah. <laughs> but what I need to, you to do is, I, I basically need you to give me the reins. So give me control and uh, let me do what I do and leave me alone. And, uh, and they kind of agreed to doing that. Of course, I had a board and all these other things, but I basically had complete control in how I was going to about to build a business. So that was the most important thing for me was control. Can I do what I want to do when I want to do it? And the second thing was flexibility. So if I wanted to pursue something in one direction, I could do that. If I wanted to change and go in another direction, I could do that. And those two things for me was, was quite attractive in the setup that we made. But most importantly, the task, the subject, the, the business was really difficult. How do you take people who are used to buying their own car, driving in their own car by themselves and convince them to join a shared service, so similar to a bus, which not a lot of people like taking, and a drive by itself, and it's going to be electric. So that whole shift was such a big challenge that I thought it was too interesting to pass up which is why I said yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so you, you just actually share interesting insight that I, I didn't realize when, because uh, guys, I'll be honest, I actually watched to the people, uh, to the Peter work all of the time. He used to work in Holo and I'm still following that company, but to, with everything that I follow, I actually didn't get the, so this is the sharing model, right? Because you just told it and I'm like, okay, I didn't know this because I thought it's more about, I buy it for myself, you know, the, this kind of thing. But the thing that's happening, Andre, is cities are getting so clogged with vehicles. There's so much congestion. Yeah, that that's why I like to our, our today record. <laughs> exactly. So in our, in our lifetime, it will be so that you cannot, you're not allowed to drive by yourself in your own car in the city. That will be outlawed. 
similar to how it's outlawed to smoke cigarettes inside or smoke on planes, these kind of things. Because societies realize that it's bad for us to be in our own cars and, and making congestion in the cities. Mm -hmm. I, I see. So you just thought like how to, so how? Like, did, did you find this key? Did I, did I find the key to how to do it? Yeah, like, I mean, uh, like, you tell, like, how to convince people that they need to use like this. So, like, how? <laughs> yeah, so, so, so nobody's done it. So that was part of it. Nobody's done it live. There's been bunch of, of, uh, a bunch of studies and simulations with data that shows that I can actually create a service in a city. They've done it in Munich, Stuttgart, uh, Auckland, Uh, Lisbon, Norway, and Oslo, and other places. If every vehicle is shared, if it's autonomous, if it's electric, you can reduce the number of vehicles on the road by 90%. So you only need 10% of the boxes on the road today in order to transport the same amount of people over the same distances at the same time. And, and this is the killer, From the second you press the button and say, come pick me up, autonomous shared electric vehicle, it takes less than two minutes for it to arrive at your doorstep in 50% of the cases. Once it starts driving, you might say, oh, there are more than one person on this vehicle. Doesn't it take a long time to get where it's going because it has to drop everybody off? That's a, a natural assumption. But in all these simulations, the detour time is four minutes or less in 50% of the cases. So if you have a service that from the second you decide, I'm gonna go to the office now, two minutes later, the vehicle is outside and it takes you door to door to your office and you may have to spend four minutes extra sitting in this vehicle. Most people say, I'd love that. I don't have to worry about parking. I don't have to worry about insurance. I don't have to worry about filling up my car with either gas or uh, gasoline or uh, electricity. And I can sit and work as I'm going along or I can sit and sleep or watch Netflix. So the convenience in this system is much greater than owning your own car. The problem is nobody's done it live and in, in real cities yet. And that's what I wanted to do. And that's why I started the company with the, with the investors. Mm -hmm. I, I see. Okay, well, the, like when you explain it, this, I, I almost cry because like uh, I, I just imagine my today morning and like I came like came to the car, which I left kind of far behind, you know, not, not near to the home because I didn't find the park place. Then I sit it down. I must to like it's cold right now here. So I supposed to wait some time until it will be warm to drive. Then I came to the office and it took me longer than I expect. I mean, okay, that's great. Like when I can pay for this, give me this now, please. <laughs> so so the, the, the first place it's probably going to happen in Europe is in the city of Oslo. So currently I'm, I'm also working as an independent advisor to the city of Oslo. And they're the most aggressive place towards making this transformation. Uh, the first place it will happen outside of Europe is probably in Singapore. So, uh, so in one of those two places you'll have to live and you'll probably see this happening within the next 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's like for such a big technology, it just sounds like, like actually really soon, by the way. Okay, for me personally, as the engineer background, I'm interested. So uh, being the CEO of this company is more being the businessman or is more being the engineer? 
You know, because you're talking all about this simulation, yeah. I, I imagine there are dozens of developers, you know, mass-based mass people, all of that kind of stuff. And that's, that's for me, it sounds super interesting. But like from your standpoint of view of CEO, who are you, the businessman? Or you are the, you know, like not developer, but engineer, let's call it like this. Yeah, no, I, I'm most definitely, uh, there's one role that you're missing, missing. I am the businessman and the politician. Uh-huh. Uh, because uh -huh. a, a, a lot of this has to do with the politics of cities. It has to do with the lobbying efforts by car companies or uh, taxi companies and others that want to prevent this from happening. And so you have to work a lot with governments and politicians in order to be successful in, in that kind of role. I don't know how to code, as you know, but I do know how systems work and I do know Uh, I, I do understand when an engineer talks to me about the motion in the vehicle or the LIDARs, which is the laser uh, that, that detects range for, for the vehicle, those kind of things. So I can follow along, but I would not be able to design the systems. Mm, I understood. I understood. Well, okay, but that's actually super interesting inside because I never thought about about the politician part, to be honest. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. Thank you. That, that, that's super interesting. Uh, I already know that this record will get a lot of uh, listeners. <laughs> okay, like the last question about this period of your life, uh, like in case you would like, in case I would ask you to name one, the biggest challenge that was during this, as far as I understood, 2016-2021, uh, as you quit in 2021, as far as I remember, like what that would be? Like like the most like impossible peak that you, you got? Yeah, but that, that, the most impossible thing I did get got was working within the political system. I had I had vastly underestimated how powerful uh, certain groups were, and I had underestimated how little politicians cared. So we thought that politicians who get elected, talking about wanting better air quality, talking about reducing congestion, talking about improving traffic safety because autonomous vehicles are also actually safer than humans. We thought that they would be very responsive to what we proposed. But to give you an example, in Denmark, it took me almost three years to get a permission to go with an autonomous vehicle on open public road. Three years. Okay, that's in Norway, in, in Norway, it took me less than two months. So, so the political system dictates what happens in the cities. And the, the biggest challenge for me was the difficulty working within my home country. Yet the greatest sort of joy was working with people in Norway and Sweden and Iceland and uh, Lithuania and other places where the politicians actually wanted to have change and supported our efforts. Okay. Okay. I see. Very, very interesting. Yeah. That's like, you know, we, we slightly move from developing di digital stuff, but, but yeah, guys, I believe that in case you're working in something this huge, it's something this impactive, you definitely some, sometimes you are, you know, you, uh, you are connecting to the politicians and no way other. And this is also the skill. Super excited. Okay, Peter. So now is 2021 on the, um, you know, on the, on the calendar, right? Like you quit, as I may assume, just because you take hold to that point in which uh, like they, they can continue without you or any other reason. No, I, I, uh, I actually got sick. So um, 
I'm fine now, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to go to work for a while. And after six months, my, my board and investors basically uh, fired me, which is fine because it's totally normal. If you have a CEO who cannot uh, show up to work and, and perform his duties, uh, he's let go. So there's no hard feelings. So I still own a piece of the company and I still am um, uh, supporting them in the best way I can so they can be successful. Uh, but I decided that it was time for me to do something completely different with my life, which is, is working more with, with people that are trying to do what I did uh, versus uh, battling uh, politicians and, and uh, traveling all over the world all the time. So, so we can I, say I that, designed, so I basically designed uh, a more uh, quiet, uh, focused uh, business life for myself. Mm -hmm. Understood. So, so basically, we can we we can tell that politicians makes you sick, right? <laughs> no, I don't know if it's just politicians, but I think, Andre, people have to realize that being being a company builder, being an entrepreneur for so many years, at some point. If you don't know how to relax or, you know, it, it will stress your body and your system so much that it's not healthy. Uh, so, so one of the things I'm doing now is to work with people who are in their 30s and 40s uh, or even in their 20s to, to help them get a more reasonable balance. Not just not working a lot of hours because we all work a lot of hours, but how you use your mind, essentially, how you use your mental capacity to do what you do so that you don't end up uh, not functioning like I did. So that's what yeah. I do today. Okay, that, that's super interesting. And well, I mean, can you talk about this? Like, I, I'm not sure you can share with whom you're working right now, but like what, what is all about? I mean, because I believe lots of people who are listening to us right now maybe need this help. I'm telling you, I need this help. But uh, like, I you know, can you tell a little bit more about this? Yeah, yeah, I haven't met a CEO founder who I've told about this who says, I don't need that. Everybody agrees that they need this kind of, of help and support that I'm currently doing. Uh, whether or not they prioritize it or whether or not they invest in having somebody like me involved, that's a different story. But I can tell you that the people I work with now typically are founder CEOs who have done maybe a couple of companies. It's not necessarily their first company. They've probably had some success. They may also have had some challenges, but they're still, they're still building businesses, still building companies. In, in, in all of the cases, the companies are at least uh, 25 people of staff. In some cases, they're somewhat bigger. And essentially, you can, I don't know if you can see it on the screen, but there's kind of a model that I use. There's I work with them as individuals, right, as humans. So that's the personal stuff, who you are, how you relate to everything that's going on. And then I work with them as professionals, right, because you may very, be very good, Andre, at, at certain things um, in your business, but professionally there's probably a lot of things that you still have to learn and refine. And that actually happens for all of us the rest of our lives, right? So it's the professional and the personal stuff. And then we work on what's inside so what happens inside of you there's something called imposter syndrome for example so this idea that you don't necessarily think you're good enough and you can't believe that all these people are following you and, and, and looking at you to be the big leader when inside 
you have self-doubt and all sorts of other things. So that's some of the stuff that can happen inside. And then there's the external stuff, which is how do you actually communicate, manage, work with your team, work with your investors, work with your board, work with outside stakeholders. So those four things are, are what I spend time doing. And some people call me a coach. Some people call me a, a therapist. Some people call me a mentor. I don't really care what they call me. Um, and what do you I call yourself? What, like, but, or, or it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. Um, I, I, uh, when I started this, I, I realized that what I wanted it to be was different. And the reason that I have the, uh, these, these quite powerful clients is because they know that I've been there. They know I have tried all the things that they've tried and maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. That's not so important, but I can actually, I know what it feels like to be in their shoes because normally a psychologist or a mentor or an advisor doesn't necessarily, or they're not as round as much. So my model is clients, uh, I see them on a regular basis, you know, physically or via video chat. But they can always call me, they can always text me, I'm, I, I can talk to them about, you know, if they have issues at home or uh, if they, they want to make some strategic move that they need to present to their board, but they want to talk to somebody about it first. So some of them call me their confidant, right? So somebody that can keep their secrets. It's, it's, a, fairly intense, uh, it's a fairly intense and very personal business, but I, I love doing it and uh, I officially launched it in April. Uh, with my first uh, client and so far it's going really well okay okay but that sounds like you know uh like you're working with all of these people and you kind of you kind of put in their story through yourself is it not uh, is it not uh, you know too too complicated to do or like or you have this kind of you know shields or or you know red lines which you don't cross inside of your head i mean you know no i because I, I, in many cases, I don't give them the answers, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not solving the problem. They have to solve the problem. But I'm there for them to talk to somebody about it that, that can understand what is happening. So let me give you a specific example. Uh, I'm currently working with someone who, who doesn't believe that she's the right leader and CEO of this business in six to 12 months from now because of what's happening in the company. And so that conversation she can have with me and we can figure out why that might be and why she's saying that. And if, if she firmly believes that, then I can help her to find a way for that change to happen and plan for that change even before she goes to her board, prepare for what the board might say when she brings it up, prepare for what her co-founders might say, all these other things. So I basically provide a conversation space uh, that's safe. And to me, that doesn't pull a lot of strain on me, if you will. I mean, it's, it's just helping somebody find the answers within them. Okay, I see, I see. That, that's, that sounds like, you know, that... that therapy but with with big business understanding you know because as as you mentioned the therapists they just don't don't know about um, you know about all of the actual problem in the business that happened kind of you know, and that's, that's an important point and 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 actually what also happens Andre and I knew this from the beginning there are some times where I have to pull in an expert because there's a lot of things I don't know how to do for example if somebody has something that requires a psychologist I have 
a network and I have somebody that I will say, okay, we're going to make an appointment for you, client, with this psychologist, and I'm going to make the appointment and we're going to make it next week. Because if I leave it to them, then, oh, I might not do it. I might do it in two weeks and then it doesn't happen. Because as you know, when you're building companies, all, all sorts of stuff doesn't happen because you're so busy building your business. So, so I have different kinds of experts that I pull in as needed to support my clients uh, so that they can perform at their best. That sounds awesome. Okay, Peter, I have, you know, the list of the uh, very short and very, you know, blitz question for you. Try not to think too much uh, uh, mm -hmm. and just, you know, very, very brief, briefly answer. Some of them are serious, some of them are jokes and, you know, just, just be prepared. Okay, so one, two, three. Being the board of the big company or being the independent entrepreneur? Independent entrepreneur. Game of Thrones or Lord of the Ring? Game of Thrones. Okay, uh, electric or powerful cars? Electric. Okay, I believe that's it. Very short and, you know, but, but, but you know, I, I knew the answer. <laughs> I knew the answers. Good. Okay, guys. So today we had the Peterson Gaffray, the entrepreneur, uh, the a former CEO of Autonomous Mobile Company. And uh, right now, I believe, as, as, he, as he just mentioned, the coach, the therapist in the sense for you, for your health and for your business. So, you know, I, I believe uh, all entrepreneurs and in certain level uh, need to need to connect to Peter and maybe he will help you to overcome the problems that you have right now. Um, and well, definitely um, that would be good for you. So Peter, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for your attention with us today. And guys, we will see you next time. Bye.